This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. I don't know what, but there were some, some sweet moves on that video. Gene might have to start a dance group or something here at the church and teach us all those moves. Well, we are celebrating Christmas all month long here at the City Church, and uh, we're just going to be looking into the scripture and reminding ourselves of uh, one of our favorite stories, obviously, in the scripture about Jesus coming to the earth. And just like our favorite movie that we talked about um, early in the service, when, we, when our favorite movie comes on the TV, we don't, we don't flick the channel, we actually watch our favorite story and the same thing. Um, with the Christmas story from the scripture. It should be one of our favorite stories, and we should be excited to hear it, even if we have heard it a bunch of times. If you are a long-time Christ follower, this should be exciting uh, for us to revisit the idea of Christmas and what Christmas is all about. Or maybe you're here and you're not a Christ follower, and you can find out what all the fuss is about. Because as we celebrate Christmas, that's what Christmas means. Christmas means a Christ celebration, Christ Mass. It's all about celebrating Jesus. And what is the big deal about Jesus coming to the earth? And why do we celebrate it? And what is the big deal about Christ in our lives? And we're going to be just enjoying that um, idea and notion all month long here at the church. So if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 2. And we'll read the Christmas story here together. And as we look at the Christmas story, and as we look at the Christmas story all month long, it gives us great insight into the character of of God and why he sent Jesus and what was the purpose of Jesus coming to the earth. Um, So we can just enjoy this story all month long here at the church. Now, as we turn um, to these verses, I just want to tell you a little bit, uh, as every time I hear Luke chapter two, I have flashbacks to when I was a child. My dad uh, was a pastor for those of you who don't know. And so growing up in the church um, at Christmas time, starting from when I was seven years old and I told this story in the first service, and he tried to correct me uh, in between services, but I'll tell you what he said here in a second. So I, from the time I was seven years old, I was forced to read the Christmas story in church. He said the word encouraged between (laughs) services, I say forced. Um, And the church we grew up in, denominational church, and the design of the church had two pulpits, and there was a a pulpit over here with the the big Bible on it, and then there was a another pulpit on the other side, stained glass windows, you know, 1,500-seat auditorium, uh, big choir and everything. And I would have to read the Christmas story every year starting from when I was seven years old. Now, I was so short at the time that I actually had to have a stool. So I would walk behind um, the pulpit on this side, and I had to pull up the stool, and I would step up. See, I, I don't, this is like child abuse or something. And, uh, oh, I survived. It's okay. And in the... Uh, and so it was one of those big Bibles, and they weren't like one of those, you needed two hands to like close it, big, huge Bible, and, um, and as we were reminiscing between services, there was one year that he didn't actually have the Bible turn to the verses, so I got up there on my stool, and I looked down at the Bible, and it was on the wrong verse, and he was over there getting ready to preach, and he said, I looked at him glaringly. Uh, with angry eyes that the Bible wasn't into the proper verses. So anyway, every time I hear Luke chapter 2, I'm having flashbacks to when I was a child reading this in church, but I'll get through it this morning without any torment in my mind. All right. 
<laughs> Luke chapter 2, and this tells us the story about Jesus' birth. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Now, what I like about how the story starts, it doesn't say in a land far, far away. It doesn't say in Never Never Land. This isn't a nursery rhyme. This is actually a story that happened in a place and time. And Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, is actually setting this story to have it, uh, have the ability for it to be cross-referenced. That all of these Roman rulers, that they existed at a certain time, and we can go back in history and see outside of the scripture, historically, that these leaders were rulers in and of this time. So Luke is saying this is a true story. This is what happened when these people were ruling in this region in this time. This is the thing that happened. So this isn't a fairy tale. This is a true story. And they all went to be registered, each to his own town. Verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Jesus story starts with this idea that Jesus is a Savior. Now, what does the word Savior mean and what does salvation mean? Because we could think maybe I don't need a Savior. Maybe I'm, you know, I have a measure of education. I'm smart. I'm kind of a good person. Um, I'm somewhat sophisticated. Maybe I don't need a savior, but this is telling us a story of a savior. Now, what does a savior mean? Now, if we go back to the Old Testament, we can reference Old Testament stories and understand what the idea of a savior is, an individual who would would be um, in a certain time. For example, Moses. We all know the story of Moses. The children of Israel were in Egyptian bondage and they were slaves. Um, to the pharaohs there in Egypt, and they were using them to build, you know, all of their buildings and stuff like that. And Moses was sent to be a deliverer for the children of Israel. In other words, they, that he took the children of Israel from an undesirable place, and he moved them to the promised land. So a savior, what does a savior do? A savior takes you from one place and moves you to another And this is the story of Christmas. This is our understanding of what it means to have a Savior, and it helps us to understand who Jesus is. And then, by direct correlation, it helps us to understand the character of God, that God is a saving God, that he's always moving us from one place to the other. So let's turn over to John chapter 5, and we're going to read here some of the words of Jesus. John chapter 5. So what does the Savior do? One of the things that the Savior does, we see here in John chapter 5, verse 24. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him, talking about God, who sent me, has 
eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Jesus talking about God and then what he has come to do. He says this, but he is passed from death to life. Talking about eternal life, talking about life in God. Uh, life understanding who the Savior is. That he says this phrase that, we're, this phrase that we're passing from death to life. Now the gospel doesn't um, take bad people and make them good. The gospel takes dead people and brings them to life. This is the story of the scripture. Now when we think about dead to life, do we think about, okay, if I'm not breathing Am I coming back, coming back to be breathing again? No. When we think about death and how we understand death from the scripture, if we go ba- right back to the book of Genesis, that the word death means separation. And when we think about ultimate death, it means, you know, that breath is separated from our bodies or our spirit is separated from our bodies. But when we talk about being spiritually dead, what does that mean? It means to be separated from God. Because of my sin, because of my unrighteousness, that I'm dead to God or I'm separated. So Jesus said that the Savior comes, that what God does, he provides us eternal life. And then we pass from death to life. Not uh, bad or sort of bad or medium bad or semi-good and then I'm a little bit better. No, the gospel says I was dead and now in Christ I'm alive. So this is what having a saving knowledge of God does is that he brings us alive to himself, that I am separated from God because of my sin. But when I'm raised to life, I'm raised to this relationship with God. I'm no longer separated from God because of my sin and because of my activity, but because of the Savior saving me, I now have a relationship with God. So one of the things that the Savior does for us, that he brings us from death to life. Luke chapter 19, verse 8. This is the story of Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a short guy, the scripture says, and Jesus was walking by, so he stood up in a tree so he could uh, see Jesus. Then Jesus went to his house, and then we see here uh, the story continues. Luke 19, verse 8. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. So what does the Savior do? The Savior saves us. Jesus here talks about salvation. Since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So this metaphor from death to life, and then we have, what is the other metaphor? That I was lost, and now the Savior, in the Savior, I am found. And we would say this, and we would know um, sometimes people uh, early on in life that they're struggling, you know, with a direction of what should I do and who am I becoming. And then sometimes we see this in midlife with people. What do we call this? Uh, a midlife crisis. That they're not sure who they are, and then they've spent the first half of their life doing this and doing that, and then... You know, they have a freak-out session, and then they do a bunch of things, and they go buy a motorcycle, whatever, you know, something like that. There's nothing wrong with motorcycles. Um, go ahead and buy one. But just as, as a picture, we see this, somebody who's lost. They've lost themselves. They're not sure who they are. But we see this. What does the Savior do when we are lost, and then in God, in Christ, we are found? And once again, back to this understanding of a relationship with God, that 
because of Jesus that we can have a relationship with God. I was dead, and now I'm alive. I was lost, and now I'm found. That in our relationship with God, I'm no longer wandering, not knowing what my purpose is, not knowing what I'm here for, but that in Christ, I've actually found my purpose for living, for me to have a relationship with God is why one of the reasons why I'm created is to know God, not to be distant from God, but to actually know him. Jude verse 24. Uh, There's only one chapter in Jude. So Jude verse 24. Here's something else that the savior does for us. It says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of the glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and now and forever. Amen. This understanding, this revelation of a Savior, what does it say? That he is going to keep us from stumbling, preserve us, That he is holding us. This is so important in our understanding about who God is. The revelation of a savior helps us to understand the character of God. That when we are in a relationship with God, that he is, what is he doing? He is preserving us. He is keeping us from stumbling. Now we all know at different times in our lives that we've stepped away from God and we've stepped away from our relationship with God. And then what do we do? We end up stumbling, making mistakes. We end up sinning. And we all know when we sin, when we miss the mark, that's what sin means, to miss the mark. When we miss the mark, we know that there's repercussions. We make stupid choices sometimes. Can I get an amen? We do. We make stupid choices sometimes, and and then we have to suffer uh, the repercussions of those silly choices. But what is it in our relationship with God, in the context of our relationship with God, that he is preserving us, that he is causing us not to stumble? So it helps us once again to understand the character of God. When God saves us, when he is a savior and he's bringing us salvation, it helps us to see his goodness. Not that he's trying to hurt us or damage us or try to kick us to the curb when we make a mistake. That he's actually trying to cause us not to stumble. That the savior helps us not to stumble. Helps us to see the character of God. Titus chapter 3. Here's something else that we can understand about salvation or the character of God. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit makes us new, in salvation. But what does it say about the character of God? What does it say about us needing a savior and who the savior is? But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior. Don't you like how that sounds? The goodness and loving kindness of the savior. Not the savior who has a hammer and who's trying to hammer you who's trying to get you, who's chasing you down because he's mad at you. He's trying to hurt you because of what you've done. Know what? He is good and his loving kindness 
comes toward us because he is our savior. A savior saves. That he's preserving us, that he's moving us from death to life, that he's moving us from lostness to being found in him. That he's causing us not to stumble, that I wouldn't live a life of sin, that I wouldn't live a life of missing the mark, that I would live a life being preserved in him, and I would live in his loving kindness, his goodness. God's goodness is aimed at you. <laughs> God's got his target at you, but he's not got his target so he can shoot you dead. He's got his target at you so he can aim his loving kindness at you. So good for us to know. It's so good for us to know that the character of the Savior is full of love, is full of kindness. So good. It's so good to understand that about God. Psalm 68, something else about the character of our Savior. It said, blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Selah. Now, what does Selah mean? We've talked about this before. It means just pause and think about that. But blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. So when does God bear us up? When does God hold us up? On Sundays. On Sundays when we're at church. On Sundays when we're singing, when we're singing hymns or songs or we're singing Christmas carols or we're really celebrating Christmas really well. That he's holding us up. No, daily. When we get up tomorrow morning, the Savior is saving us. He is bearing us up. God is our salvation. It's a Monday morning thing. It's a Tuesday morning thing. It's an everyday thing. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a religious thing. It's being in relationship with the Savior God. And every day he bears us up. Because you know why this is important? Because every day is different. Every day there's a new challenge. Every day there's a new thing. Every day there's a new world leader who might blow the whole thing up. Every day there's something happening in the economy. And every day the interest rates might go up. And every day my investments, I don't know what's going to happen to them. And every day... I might be at odds with my spouse and every day I might be having a struggle with my children. And every day I might be say, facing something, sickness and disease in my body. But every day the Savior is bearing me up. Every day I can rely on his strength and his goodness. Not just a Sunday thing and not just a religious thing. And not just, do I qualify thing. No, God is the Savior. I'm not the Savior. I'm not good enough to be the Savior. But God's character shows us that every day He bears us up. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, second part of this. Our God is a God of salvation. And to God, the Lord God, belongs deliverances from death. So the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus coming to the earth, is that. It is about Jesus coming to us. God moving toward us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our struggle, that God moves toward us. 
One of the definitions of the word salvation is just help. God brings us help. And when we sin and when we mess up, that's actually when we need God's help. Having no forgiveness helps us. Helping us to know, hey, what what I'm not going to be damned forever because of this mistake I made. Know that God gives us forgiveness. Isaiah chapter 7. Here in Isaiah is a prophecy about Jesus coming to the earth and what it would mean. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, we saw this prophesied. We saw that Mary would be the mother of Jesus, that he would be born of a virgin. And then Matthew chapter 1 helps us to understand this more. Matthew 1 verse 21 says this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the story that we celebrate. This is why we have Christmas, a Christ celebration. That God isn't distant. That God isn't gone way far away somewhere and we have to try to draw him back to us. That the story of Jesus coming, the story of God in the flesh, in Christ, coming to us is that God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. The creator of the heavens and the earth is with little old me, unworthy me. Doesn't deserve it, me. That salvation comes close. That God is with us. Scripture says in Psalms that if, if, we, if we go run over here, God is there. And if we go down in the depths, God is there. There's nowhere for us to go that God isn't. It reminds us of the saving nature of God. That the Savior is not far away. That he's close. That God is with us. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. A Sunday thing. Is God present on Sunday? When we, when we sing, oh, it's only on Sunday. Is God just present on Sunday? No, he's ever present. So he is with us on Sunday, but he is also with us all of the time. God with us. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. He's there to help us. He's there to save us. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountain quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So who's with us? The Lord Almighty is with us. Not just a weak God, not just a God who might be there. No, he is with us forever and always. And he's there with his power to help us. We need his help. The most intelligent, the most educated of us. We need God's help. We need the saving help of the Savior. And he's there with his power. Ever present help in trouble. Man, and this is what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate that the Savior has come. The Savior has come. Not just a way, not just a teaching about salvation, but the Savior has come. How I, how I think about this, and you know, we, we live in a pluralistic society and we all have different ideas and you know people will have arguments along these lines and discussions you know all aren't all religions somewhat equal and aren't all religions kind of teaching the same thing and in a measure a lot of religions are having you know very similarities uh, very similar things as it relates relates to moral teaching but the scripture that we have and the scripture that we're talking about today and we're talking about the savior coming let's think about it like this if we're all trapped in a building that's on fire and there's, we're not sure the way of escape, if we have somebody come to us and they can come to us with a map and they can say, hey, you know, there's this elevator there and you could take this elevator down two floors and then there's a fire there and then you get off at that floor and then you, you could take the stairs there and then go down to this other floor and then go out this one apartment and then maybe they'll save you. All religion is like that. We're trapped in the top of a burning building and Jesus comes and says, follow me. I know the way. And so what do we do? We just go with Jesus. I'm not trying to save myself. I'm not trying to take the right elevator. I'm not trying to take the right stairwell. I'm just going to follow the Savior who saves me. The one who is salvation. It's not just teaching us the way of salvation. The one who is the Savior. And for young people, that's the difference for you. That's the difference between Christianity and all the other religions. If you didn't know already. The Savior comes. God comes down. It's not about us trying to make a way to Him. The story of Christmas says... God made his way to us. Emmanuel, God with us. An ever-present help in a time of trouble. Let's just pray this morning.
God, we just thank you for your word today. And as God, we just thank you, Lord, in this Christmas season that we celebrate Jesus. In the busyness of all that goes on this time of the year, God, that you help us to slow down and remember the greatest gift. The greatest gift given to us is the Savior, Jesus. We're so thankful, Lord, for all of who you are, all who you've revealed yourself to be in the scripture, that you have raised us from death to life, that we don't have to be lost just doing our own thing, that we can be found in you, that we can be preserved, that you can help us from stumbling. Help us to remember, Lord, that every day that we, can, that we are in a relationship with you and you are always there to help us, that you are always there to save us. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us with your goodness and your loving kindness. We are so thankful, Lord, for who you are, that you are the God of salvation. We bless you and we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.